Hello, 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 and welcome again to the Science of the Covenant. This podcast series, I'm going to say, is a very important series. As you know, this podcast is called The Science of the Covenant. And starting with this podcast, we will begin our series studying the biblical covenant and answer the many questions about does it apply to all of us? Or does it just apply to the children of Israel? What about the Gentiles? What must we do to keep the covenant? These are just a few questions that we will explore in the studying of the covenant. I ask that you not only have your Bible ready, but a pen and a paper, your computer, your iPad, anything you can use to take notes as we begin our next series in studying Yahuwah's covenant with his people. So are you ready? Now I would turn it over to my co-host. All right, thank you very much. <clears throat> what we want to explore <clears throat> in our future studies is Elohim's covenant. Now the first mentioning of the word covenant in the Holy Writ is found in the book of Genesis. And it is mentioned a plethora of times in various uh, settings. However, what we'll discover is that even though the word covenant is first uh, mentioned in Genesis 6.18, matter of fact, why don't we just turn to Genesis 6.18 Okay, here in Genesis 6.18, we read where Moses was writing in the uh, bearer of sheath of the, of the uh, book of what we call the Torah. In the first book of the Torah, he writes in the sixth chapter, and we're looking at verse number 18. It says, but with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Now, uh, here in this particular scenario, we see the covenant being spoken to Noah. Yet the content and the function of the covenant predates the time of Noah. Noah was not the first one to be given a covenant, even though this word is first mentioned in the time of Noah. But we find that the covenant was already operative. So what we want to do in this first study of the covenant is to lay down somewhat of a premise to understand a covenant. See, all the time we speak about a covenant, we want to get somewhat of an explanation as to where and how the covenant uh, was dealt with. So we asked the first question that we asked, what is a covenant? Okay, that's the first thing we want to consider is what is a covenant? And as we consider what a covenant is, we'll get some idea of what he was offering to Noah and also what he was offering prior to Noah being given the covenant. Now, our English word for covenant comes from the Hebrew word bereath. Now, bereath 
B-E-R-I-T-H, is a Hebrew word. The word bereath carries the meaning of a, a league, L-E-A-G-U-E, L-E-A-G-U-E, a league. However, the word coveted in Greek is diatheke, diatheke, D-I-A-T-H-E-K-E. And it carries the meaning, a range of what they would say an arrangement. So a diatheke is a Greek word for covenant, and bereath is the Hebrew word for covenant. And, and in one, it says that a covenant and the bereath is a league. In the Greek, the diatheke carries the meaning of arrangement. Moreover, this Greek word diatheke also is a word we translate testament, which would mean that a covenant and a testament is one and the same. A lot of times when we hear a, a testament, well, actually, testament is the Greek word for covenant. And in the Greek, a testament is defined as a dispensation or a full arrangement. Okay. So here we are dealing with both the Greek and the Hebrew. And as we look at the various meanings of the same word in various languages, they have somewhat of a different meaning, but as we explore them, we'll come to understand that the meanings are not different, even though they vary, but there's a continuity of blending these two words together. Thus far, by review, a covenant is a league, an arrangement, and a dispensation. So what we are looking at is a league, arrangement, and a dispensation. When we consider these words which give meaning to the covenant, we have the following. The word league in Hebrew is bereath, while it is the word we translate covenant. It also carries the meaning of an eating, an eating. Now, this word dispensation in Greek comes from the word orno, orkono, orkonomaya, orkonomaya, and it means law or arrangement of a house. So when we look at dispensation, which is one of the words that define uh, covenant in the Greek language, ono mokaya, okonomaya, okonomaya means law of a house, or it could mean an arrangement of a house. So thus far, what we have concerning a covenant is a league, a dispensation, and an arrangement or a law or arrangement of a house. And it has to do with eating as well. So at this juxtaposition, let us put these meanings together and see if we can make some sense of them and come up with some reasonable definition and explanation as to what a covenant is. 
we would do this by taking all of the meanings of a covenant we have discovered thus far. Let us list them again. We start with the Hebraic meanings, and then we'll proceed with the Greco meanings of a covenant. So in the Hebraic, okay, the word covenant in Hebrew is berith, okay, berith. And berith means a league, a league, okay? Now, the Hebrew word for league, and we look up the word league in Hebrew, it is the same word, berif. And this word league, which comes from the same word, berif, means an eating or a covenant. Then when we go to the Greek word for covenant, we have diatheke. And diatheke means an arrangement. Okay. And then we also notice in the Greek language, that we have the word testament. And the word testament also comes from the same word, diatheke, okay? So when translators translated diatheke, they could either translate it uh, covenant or testament. And usually in the New Testament, diatheke would be translated most likely testament, testament, okay? So when we deal with the testament, the diatheke, uh, it also carries the meaning of dispensation, full arrangement. And then when we look up the word dispensation, we have the word onomaya, orkonomaya, and that's spelled O I. K-O-N-O-M-I-A, O-I-K-O-N-O-M-I-A, Okonomaya. Okonomaya means law or arrangement of a house. So when we deal with a dispensation, we are dealing with the word Okonomaya, and Okonomaya means a house or a person's house. So we have the law or arrangement of a house. Now with these meanings, let us see if we can make some association as to how they relate to a covenant. We will do this by the Socratic method of asking questions. Now, now we went over a number of words that when you look it up in the Hebrew and the Greek, in the in the in, from the Bible uh, standpoint, these words that we have spoken of has they have an association with the covenant. So, what we're going to do is look at those words again and see can we relate them to the covenant. So we ask the question. What does a league has to do with a covenant? Okay. What does a league has to do with a covenant? When we consider a league, we are talking about two or more persons or groups 
having a common goal. That's what a league is. You know, you could have a baseball league, uh, but you got a number of people coming together and they form a league. And so when we talk about a covenant, we know they're, uh, uh, so when we, uh, so when two individuals make an agreement concerning some matter, this is called a covenant. And eating may be a part of a covenant. In another section, we say, we'll say more about the eating when it comes to the covenant, but we just touch it briefly here. Now, when we look at a covenant, we deal with a lead. And then another word that is associated with the covenant, what does a, uh, is the word arrangement, arrangement. Okay, when we look at the diatheke, it talks about, I mean, the dispensation, it talks about an arrangement. So what does an arrangement has to do with a covenant? Now, generally, when we consider an arrangement, it is the manner or way something is carried out. So when we speak about a covenant, we are talking about a certain manner or way some agreement is carried out. So what does a dispensation has to do with a covenant when we speak about a dispensation? A dispensation can be a certain administration or arrangement, management, order, or a system. That's what a dispensation is. Moreover, a dispensation can also refer to how something is dispensed with or distributed. That's what a dispensation is. So when we look at that in a covenant, it means that the covenant has is administrated a certain way with a certain arrangement, management or order or system and how things are allocated or distributed or dispensed. And then another word that is associated with the covenant is law, L-A-W, law. What does law have to do with a covenant? Within a covenant relationship between two or more persons or groups, there are stipulations, principles, or regulations which governs them. These governing factors are considered the covenant laws. So when we look at law, it's associated with the covenant because it sets boundaries and things within the covenant. And we also discuss how when you deal with the diatheke, that it has something also to do with law and arrangement, but also it deals with the law and arrangements of a house. Okay, so the law and arrangement of a house. So the question that we ask is, what does a house have to do with a covenant? A covenant may include a place of lodging or a facility of some kind which has something to do with the covenant relationship. However, when we speak about a house, it could also be looked upon as a person or a family. 
So when we talk about the house, you know, especially when we look at the Bible, the Bible talks about a house as a person, not just a place where they stayed, but a person. The Bible speaks about the house of David. It speaks about the house of Saul. So when we deal with a house, we're not just dealing with a resident or a place where individuals lived or resided or stayed or went. We're also talking about a person. And then if that person has offsprings, children, and other relatives, we call it a family. So when we say we got the house of David, we're saying we got the family of David. When we say we got the house of Saul, we're talking about we have the family of Saul. So a house would include the person who is the head, and it would also con uh, uh, be considered the members of his family would be a house. Now that we associated the various meanings with the covenant, let us now give a reasonable definition of a covenant. Now, thus far, all of the words we have associated to the covenant are very relevant to it. Therefore, in order to define a covenant, we can either incorporate all of the words or some of them as we define a covenant. Now, all of the words we embrace thus far have something to do with a biblical covenant of which we have come which have come from the Torah of the Old Testament or the writings of the New Testament. We have, we have dealt with those words, and they all have something to do with the covenant. So now what we want to do here now is to, is to be able to look at some of the definitions of a biblical covenant. And by looking at these definitions, we'll find out that there are a plethora of definitions for a covenant. And as we go through these definitions, we'll find out that when covenant is used in various places, some of these words may be used and some not. And some of them might not be used at all, but it's nevertheless a covenant. But what we are trying to do is to get a, a, a biblical understanding of what a covenant is. Okay, now, we're going to try to use those words, some of them. We're not going to go through an ex exhaustive list, but we want to look at a few ways we can define a covenant, because this is laying the foundation of where we're going. First, a covenant of the Bible may be looked upon as an agreement between two or more persons. That's the covenant. So if two or more persons make a, uh, agree upon something, that can be called a covenant. Second, a covenant from the biblical perspective may be viewed as a league between two or more houses of persons who have agreed to abide by certain laws. Okay. So as we looked at these first two definitions, we can see how they included certain certain words. Okay. So these these are covenants. Now, third, a biblical covenant may be defined by an agreement of both 
parties to ad, to adhere to certain stipulations, and in doing so, they would eat a meal to ban the covenant. So the third one we're looking at is it, it's it's an agreement with with two parties or more, and they adhere or they they have certain stipulations that they abide by. And as they abide by these uh, stipulations, and in doing so, they would eat a meal to bind the covenant. Okay. Now let's look at a fourth uh, definition of a covenant. A covenant may express not only principles and laws and regulation, but also the blessing for obeying them and the curses for disobeying them. See, that's a covenant. Okay. Now let's look at a fifth uh, view of a covenant. Fifth, a covenant can also define the means whereby it is broken and can be mended. In other words, in a covenant itself, it can, it can contain or define means whereby if the covenant is broken within the covenant itself, it can tell you how it can be mended or how it can be put back together again. Okay. So when we look at that, uh, it's providing us with an understanding of a covenant. And once we really get into the covenant and understand what a covenant is about, then I think each one of us will be able to uh, define and explain what a covenant is in our own words, because we are using the principles that govern a covenant. And in so doing, we can come up with our own definition, but even though we are coming up with our own de definition, we are still using the principles found in the words that define a covenant. We could go on and on to define a covenant. However, our purpose is not to simply show that a covenant has a multifaceted definition, but to point out how various aspects of it can enlarge our understanding of a covenant. With that, with what we have discussed so far, we will use this for a foundation of which we can build upon in our future studies of the covenant. So this first lesson is just talking about what is a covenant. So we'll, we'll stop there. And if there's any questions, observations, or concerns, we can address those. And as we deal with the following uh, discourses on the covenant, we'll be going into uh, the covenants as it relate to man and Elohim and how he has established a covenant between he and the human race. And then there are a number of other facets about the covenant we'll be engaging. But we did want to lay that foundation as to what a covenant is. So we open it up at this time for any observations. So the covenant was first mentioned, you said, in Genesis 6.18? Mm, the first mentioned. Now, let me explain that because... Uh, the covenant, the word now, now, what I want you to understand is that 
the word is first mentioned. Okay. Okay. Now the word is first mentioned there. However, the function and the description of a covenant is mentioned before the word is mentioned. Mm. Okay. And that's, mm. that predates the time of the time that Noah had it and the word was mentioned. But when we understand what the covenant involved, then we can go to other passages and see that that was a covenant, even though it didn't say covenant. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You said diatheke. Yeah, diatheke is the Greek word for testament, and testament is the Greek word that they drew from the Hebrew word, which is bereath, diatheke. So when we look in our Bibles, and especially the King James, they have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mm-hmm. So they are basically saying the old covenant and the new covenant. Yeah, that's a, that's 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 exactly what it's saying. Mm. Wow, that is something. And so now, some people would think, okay, just because the New Testament, New Covenant, that is all about the New Covenant, but. I guess we probably get into this later. Um, do we have a new covenant yet compared to the old covenant or are we still bound by the old covenant? No, we are bound by the, by the, we are bound by the new covenant. But what, what is happening here mm-hmm. is that when we deal with the old and the new covenant, there are those who would believe that nothing in the old covenant would be in the new covenant. And so this is why when we discuss the covenant, we'll be showing the parallels between what the old and the new covenant share and some of the things they do not share. Uh And when we can make that comparison and contrast, then individuals can understand that the covenant has never changed. The covenant is all the same, but there are some things that are different and we need to know the differences. And as, as we pointed out in a future studies of the covenant, uh, we'll be addressing those particular issues. And, uh, now you were saying that, uh, normally that when a covenant is agreed upon that they would basically sit down and break bread to bind the contract. Yes. Uh, they, yeah, they would, yeah, to bind the contract and that observation that you're making, uh, we're going to go more to depth on that because mm-hmm. that, that eating, that eating is one of the basic things of the covenant. Mm. And we want to bring out about that eating. Uh, cause when you deal with the, uh, the word league, mm-hmm. it means an eating, even though it means a covenant, it also means an eating. And we want to explore that a little more in depth so that we can see its association to the covenant. So I know, I know I'm probably jumping a little bit ahead mm-hmm. right. and all, but, uh, 
So in a way, I can kind of understand and see how the feast days would play into that, in the binding of an agreement. Uh, let me see. Now, could you elaborate on your question a little more uh, to get it in perspective? Well, I'm, the- I'm basically saying that um, it sounds like to me with the feast days, which is a lot of the feast days are revolving around feasting and eating mm-hmm. and enjoying and celebration of Yahuwah. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like that is when you celebrate his biblical feast days that he's outlined in the scriptures, mm-hmm. that is like a, a constant uh, renewing of the covenant, you know, by, you know, partaking in the constant feast days every single year. Okay, uh, that that is true, but let let me make a distinction here. Uh, and what you said, everything that you said was correct, but mm-hmm. I have to make a distinction. Okay. Okay. The distinction that I'm making is <clears throat> that when Elohim gave his festivals, uh, the festivals that he gave uh, was was basically a different Hebrew word from a feast that you eat and drink. Okay, okay. Now I, I'm just making a distinction, mm-hmm. and then I'll draw it together. In other words, when he gave the festivals, if you read in Deuteronomy, not Deuteronomy, but Leviticus 16 and other passages, but Deuteronomy, I will say 23, where it lists the feast days. Okay, now the word for his feast was moedim. Okay. And moedim particularly dealt with an appointed time, appointed place, or appointed people, uh, it did not necessarily include eating because, as you know, one of the feast days that we have is Day of Atonement, which is the uh, sixth feast day, the annual feast that is. Mm -hmm. And there is no eating, but yet and still it's a feast day. Okay. So feast is not connected with eating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lisa's feast days, they are not connected with eating. But you are correct in saying that when they carried out the feast days, even though they were appointed times in which they should do certain things, mm-hmm. that the eating was incorporated within some of those feasts. And I can't think about but one feast that eating was not a part of, and that was the Feast of Atonement or Yom Kippur. It was not a part of that. So the distinction that I'm bringing out is is that the word feast is not connected with eating, mm-hmm. but the services and the things that they did on the feast days did include eating and drinking. Oh, okay. All right. So when you said that a the meal that they ate was the binding contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there somewhere in scripture too, where they talk about the binding of the contract where they sat down and ate? Well, there is, uh, like you said, you're getting a little ahead of yourself, but okay. yes, yes. Uh, matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, when we get into the covenant, mm-hmm. we'll see that the first covenant that Elohim gave to Adam mm-hmm. had something to do with eating and drinking. 
Oh, okay. And, and we're going we're gonna to pursue that because it's going to take us all the way into the diatheke when Yeshua came of how his covenant has something to do with eating, drinking. So just hold that. We're just touching on it, on it now, but okay. we'll go into more depth and profanity of that. So let me ask this. So in the Old Testament, when we're dealing with the Hebrew, we're going with bereath. Bereath, yeah. And then once we get to the New Testament in the Greek, it's the diatheke. Diatheke or the Testament. Or the Testament. Mm-hmm. Now, again, where does the oikonomia yeah, come from? Or konomia. Or konomia. Yeah, that's, that's the word for uh, house. Okay. Okay. Or konomia. That means uh, a man's house or a person's house. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and how, again, does that tie in uh, to the meaning of the covenant? That and, if you had a house, mm-hmm. you have to arrange that house, okay? Mm-hmm. And not only arrange, but uh, this word uh, diatheke includes dispensation, mm-hmm. which means a full arrangement. So when you deal with uh, an arrangement of a house or... It could be the law of a house, but you know, whenever you have laws within a house, those laws help you to arrange that house. Okay. See? And so when you deal with uh, a house, as I was pointing out, is more than just a place where one stays, but Mm -hmm. is also the head of the house. And the head of the house has a family, which they call a house, like the house of David and the house of Saul. Mm-hmm. You got the family of David and the family of Saul. Those are referred to as houses. So when you deal with the Orkonomia, you are dealing with a family that has a certain arrangement that has come down through the laws. And we know that the laws that governs Elohim's family or house is... The Torah, which is law, that's that governs the family. That governs the house. Oh. Wow, we're we're about to get into some heavy, heavy stuff with this covenant. Is it, it, just from the start? So, uh, Pastor, can you give us that word before we close it out for this session? Oh, certainly. Mm-hmm. Our loving Father, again, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word and to be able to now to focus in on your covenant. And we, as we look at the science of the covenant, which is the study of the covenant, that we may be able to embrace your covenant as you have given it. For the whole world, O oh, Heavenly Father, are identifying with religions. They have this religion and that religion. But you never gave to the world a religion. You only gave a covenant to the world. And so we want to pursue this covenant to make sure that we are in a line with your laws, your stipulation, regulation of your covenant. We want to be a part of your house that can be governed by your covenant because your covenant is the only thing that can make us to be what you would have us to be. So we ask thy blessing upon each listener that as they listen in, that they may internalize these things 
and continued to pursue them. And as a result, O Heavenly Father, they would find themselves walking in the laws of the statutes of the covenant, which leads to the kingdom of Elohim. These blessings and others we ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. We want to encourage you and I implore you to save our podcast, bookmark it, subscribe to it on whatever platform you listen to us on, because you're not going to want to miss our weekly from here on out as we study the covenant. It's a very important part of scripture. And I don't really believe a lot of these religions out here really even touch the covenant. You know, so we implore you to constantly tune in to us every week. So that is our podcast for this week. We want to encourage you to return to keeping the covenant, which Yahuwah has cut with us. And if you have any questions or observations, we implore you also to feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. Exactly how it sounds. Science of the covenant at gmail.com. And as it states in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto Elohim, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Until next week, people. Shalom.